The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In today's business world, you need to have a unique edge in order to thrive. Your show host, Lisa Chickles, understands you have to live it to get it. And she is here to give what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is Chat with Chickles, featuring brand champion Lisa Chickles. In this program, you'll hear from the experts who are already making differences in their business while picking up strategies that can help you and your business survive and thrive. Now, here's your host, Lisa Chickles. Welcome. It's so nice to have you here today. And thank you for taking the time to join me for my first show. A little bit nervous, and uh, I hope you enjoy it. You're listening to Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. I'm your host today, Lisa Chickles, and you can reach me at chatwithchickles at rogers.com. That's chat with C-H-I-C-U-L-E-S at rogers.com. Like me on Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter, and check out my website at lisachicklesconsulting.com. Given this is my first show, I'm going to start out by telling you a bit about the show and the concepts that we're going to chat about over the next few weeks, and then tell you a bit about me um, before we get into the specifics. So the show is called Chat with Chickles, What They Couldn't Teach You in Business School, because I believe you have to live it to get it. Certainly, I believe in the power of education, and I also believe in the power of experience. The combination can be a truly winning formula for you today in business. On the show, I will chat about my experience in driving innovation in a risk-adverse culture, how to get people to say yes to your ideas when everyone is empowered to say no, the power of leading through influence instead of authority, and having the courage to be a jungle lion instead of a zoo lion in today's business world, and much more. So who am I? What is my business experience? And how did I find myself here today chatting with you? Well, I began my career in advertising, working for global agencies such as J. Walter Thompson, DDB, and Leo Burnett, and worked with leading brands and organizations like Procter & Gamble, Nike, Coca-Cola, and General Mills. I've also worked in both the corporate and the not-for-profit sectors, and I'll talk a little bit more about the not-for-profit sector later. And now I run my own consulting business called Lisa Chickles Consulting. It's a strategic planning consultancy that works with clients to clarify their brand's core strength as a catalyst for strategic growth, or as I like to call it, to unearth their brand's potential to drive business results. I employ a proven process of discovery and creation to clarify that core strength of their brand. Assess their current business model to identify any barriers to success and potential drivers of growth. I bring a 360-degree view of stakeholder engagement, and you're going to hear a lot about that uh, later on in the show, from staff, board, community partners, and working with advertising agencies. I assemble a team of subject matter experts based on the business need, organizational capacity, and, of course, budget, and leverage over 20 years of experience working with top brands and delivering results in both the not-for-profit and corporate sectors. 
Okay. So people say, oh, that's all fine, Lisa, but what do you actually do? So I said, okay, I basically work with clients to help them solve their business challenges. Sometimes they come to me and say, Lisa, I need to build a five-year strategic plan to position my organization for growth. Or these days, it's more like a three-year strategic plan or maybe even just a 12-month plan. Or it could be to define their unique value proposition or their brand positioning so they can articulate to potential donors why they should give to them. And sometimes it's to develop a master brand architecture so they can align multiple entities and stakeholder groups under one vision. Usually the business challenge includes some kind of internal or external stakeholder alignment. This is one of the, thing, one of the biggest challenges that I've seen in business today. Creating the strategy is only half the challenge. The other half is you could call it operationalizing it, implementing it, gaining buy-in, No matter what you call it, it's challenging. And when you have both, then you have the right formula for success. So let me give you a few examples. Um, A past colleague of mine from Coca-Cola was now leading the marketing for a women's specialty retailer, Tabby International, and defined her business challenge to me as um, develop a new positioning for the brand that would be accepted by all members of the team, maintain our current customer base while opening the door for new growth. The challenge was that many in the organization did not see the need for change. For those that may not know, Tabby International was a women's clothing retailer that was meeting the needs of women between the ages of 60 and 70. And data showed that this demographic group's spending was in decline. The greatest opportunity for the organization was to attract um, a bit of a younger demographic in that definition of women between the ages of 45 and 59. Tabby had the right product mix, but perhaps not the right style to meet the needs of what I would call at that time the new 50-year-old woman. So the business challenge, expand the appeal of my brand to uh, women 45 to 59 who may not have considered me in the past while still retaining my customer base so we can annoy those loyal customers that we have so come to depend on, especially for our business results. And remember, many people do not see the need for change. So, of course, um, you know, not, not a small challenge. And I would say the key barrier to success that we identified was that if your organization isn't open to change, um, how are you going to change? So when we sat down and built the plan um, for what I would call both stakeholder engagement and developing their brand strategy, we started by helping people um, to feel open to change. We asked them to read the book, Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Spencer Johnson. Then we honored the brand story. We honored the past. I think it's important to remember where you've come from. How did we get here? You don't don't want to throw it all out because you're trying to look into a new direction. Plus, we needed to maintain our current customer base. I think what this exercise did as well is, you know, help staff to realize that we weren't just doing change for change's sake and that we wouldn't throw out all the great things about the organization that they've come to love. And then we had to share kind of the hard-hitting facts, Um, the current state of the business, um, looking at some, you know, predictive models of where the business might go, depending on if the demographic trends and the spending trends continued, where would this business be in the next 10 years? So to help them to see, oh, geez, I think I might need to change. Um, and it's, you know, it's, we also needed to show them the risk of doing nothing. 
Um, I was working on a big project once and uh, one of um, the people on the board had come to me afterwards and said, you know, Lisa, don't forget to remind people of the risk of doing nothing. We spend a lot of time managing risk of, well, if we invest this and we don't earn these dollars, then what will happen? But we often can forget, but what if we did nothing? Guess what? Probably the trends won't continue. So we should do something. And then the question is what to do. Um, so those hard-hitting facts were hard to hear, of course, but then that also helped to engage them. Um, we found that once we opened them up to change, once we helped them to see that we weren't going to throw away everything about the brand that they'd come to love um, and care about, that sort of those crossed arms um, turned into kind of leans forward. Um, and when you're facilitating a group, <laughs> that body language is critical. Um, so we began to build the new story together. We made everyone a part of the solution. Um, we did offsites with key staff. Um, we did analysis. We did work behind the scenes. And we asked them, so what business are we actually in? Who do we want to be? And how are we going to get there? As I said, the first step was critical. We needed to understand that people did not want the product to change. They loved their jobs, the company, and they saw no need to change. Once we showed them the facts and why the change was necessary and honored the past and their concerns and involved them in crafting the future, as I said, those crossed arms turned into leans forward. My client said the approach we took provided a forum to educate the team on why we needed to change, understand the key barriers to change, and to build the vision and the team to ensure full and complete buy-in. The results were excellent. We achieved full support from all stakeholders, developed the new fall line that was in line with the new vision. 75% of our current customer base reported they liked the change, so that was great, and sales went up. Well, at the end of the day, that's critical. So the client said to me, I hired Lisa because of her strategic insights and ability to bring together disparate groups of people toward one way of thinking. So that's pretty much what I do in my business. I will also tell you about another example. Um, this is in the not-for-profit sector uh, with the Princess Margaret Cancer Foundation. Again, for those who may not know, the Princess Margaret Cancer Center is a scientific research center and a teaching hospital in Toronto, Canada. And the foundation stewards and raises funds for the Princess Margaret Cancer Center, one of the top five research centers in the world. Their business challenge was to develop their first ever master brand architecture that would align different entities, so the hospital, the foundation, the research institutes, and integrate the sub-branding of UHN, the United, uh, sorry, the University Health Network. And you can only imagine the number of stakeholders and staff that needed to align. Each of the leaders from the different entities, the team, the advertising agency, they had done the initial work on their positioning, or as they called it, their creed, um, and many more. Not only was defining the strategy a challenge, but aligning across key stakeholders was critical. So what do we do? Well, you know what? It always starts with a plan. Um, we built a plan and discussed up front who needed to be involved and at which stage, and when and how. Many people uh, jump to developing the brand strategy. They want the answer. But the development of your um, stakeholder engagement strategy is just as important. What you don't want to do is a lot of work to only have a lot of people say no. So how do you get them to say yes? Well, they need to be a part of the process in some way. They need to be asked their opinion and listened to. 
That doesn't mean you have to take all of their advice, but you do have to ask. It's pretty much a matter of respect, um, but also you can learn a ton and avoid some pretty costly mistakes. So the results, um, they're implementing their master brand architecture and beginning to reap the benefits of a common voice for the brand. It is guiding them in their communication and supporting the launch of new products and how to sub-brand consistently across the organization. My client said to me that um, the process and design and management and context expertise on architecture, uh, brand architecture in both the profit and not-for-profit that I brought to the uh, project allowed us to frame the project efficiently and effectively from its beginning. We focused on the right things at the right time, seeking input um, where it was most needed and utilizing a brand framework that suited us and uh, will be well used. Again, you know, as a consultant, sometimes we can get a bit of a bad rap and uh, they come in, they charge a lot of money and then we never do anything. So the key thing is to make sure that you are creating some sort of framework that they can actually use. Let's make it practical. Let's make it easy. You need to be aware of sort of the organization's um, culture, their organizational capacity, how they work, and make sure you're giving them solutions that they can actually work with. So in terms of the show, I'll be giving you a quick overview um, on what we will cover and what we'll be chatting about, telling you a little bit more about me and how I ended up being here today. Um, We'll talk about uh, stories and ideas around driving innovation and a risk-adverse culture, getting people to say yes to your ideas, having the courage to be a zoo lion or to be a jungle lion instead of a zoo lion in today's business world. Um, and learning to lead through influence instead of authority. I think we are um, we are coming up on a break, um, and I will be back in a few minutes, and I'll talk more about the show and the types of things that we're going to cover, and I'm going to tell you a little bit more about me, sort of my background, and how I ended up being here today with all of you. So we'll see you in a few minutes, and um, thanks again for uh, joining me in my first segment of my first show. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. 
To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. Well, we're back, and uh, thank you for joining me uh, in the second part of the show. Um, we were chatting a little bit about the show, and I was also giving you a bit of background on me and my um, my consulting business um, and some of the business challenges that um, I've had to address in, uh, in my experience. Um, I also now want to chat with you a little bit more about the show, get into some detail about the topics that we're going to review. Um, I, I'd also love to hear from you on any challenge, business challenges that you may be facing or any topics that you'd like to see on the show. So as the announcer said, please feel free to email me and then I can either try to address it today, although maybe not today because it's my first show. So I'm still trying to, you know, get through all the technology part of it, but for sure um, could become a topic in one of my future episodes. So please feel free to email me and I will do my best to get back to you in a timely way. Um, so let me get into more some some more specifics about the show and the kinds of topics we'll be chatting about, and then a bit more about my journey and my backstory. So in terms of the show, I'll give you a quick overview of what we will cover, a little bit about the topics, um, and the full story of some of these um, examples will be revealed in future episodes. So on the show, I'll be chatting about stories, ideas, and insights, much like the ones that you just heard in terms of the examples of some of the business challenges that I've um, worked with clients to solve. Um, so we'll talk about things like how do you drive innovation in a risk-adverse culture? I don't know. Given our economy today and the market, um, there's, a, there's a lot of worry around risk. There's a lot of aversion to trying new things. Um, but as we know, in order to get um, growth and exponential growth, we need to find a way to take those risks in a safe way, in a way where those risks are calculated. Um, so we'll talk about that. Um, getting people to say yes to your ideas when kind of everybody's empowered to say no. I don't know if any of you have come up against that, but I certainly have. Um, and then leading um, through influence instead of authority. Um, that's it, It's a great concept um, that I'll share a little bit more about um, that was in a book uh, around the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. We'll talk about it in more detail in a moment. And as I said, have the courage to be a jungle lion instead of a zoo lion so you can survive and thrive in business today. So let's chat a little bit more about each of these topics. And remember, the full story will be revealed um, in upcoming episodes. So how do you drive innovation in a risk-adverse culture? Companies say they want growth and innovation all the time. And you go out and you're doing your work and you're coming up with ideas and your analysis. And then what happens? Fear. The fear can get in the way. Or their culture can get in the way. Or how they actually define their business model can put limitations on um, trying new things. I worked with an organization that challenged me to grow my portfolio by 50% over two years. My reaction was, Really? When the business is in a five-year decline? I was, I was thinking, well, if you reach for the stars, you'll never come up with, with a handful of mud. I quote from Leo Burnett. I'm an ad girl at heart. After thinking about my approach, I realized that I had to look at three things. Um, once I sort of got over, you know, the stress of the challenge, <laughs> was bring innovative thinking to some of their current programs, launch new programs, and deliver efficiency to the bottom line. 
why all three? (laughs) Because as someone said to me once, Lisa, nine out of 10 new products fail. So I needed to have all bases covered to manage and diversify the risk. The good news, we got there in three years, but still, I think pretty great accomplishment uh, given that it was a big challenge. And the journey, um, well, it was grueling and rewarding, and I learned a ton. I learned that an organization's culture can get in the way of innovative thinking, that fear can be a barrier to success, and how you define your business model can get in the way of new thinking. This experience isn't unique to me, and I'm sure um, some of you have felt this as well. Look at other organizations who perhaps defined their business model too narrowly and missed a change in the marketplace. So let's think about McDonald's. Defining their business model as a burger and fries company could have gotten in the way of any uh, changes in the marketplace in terms of healthy eating. So were they really, really a burgers and fries company or were they in the family restaurant business? And again, how you define it is important. So think about Disney. I mean, at one time they were an animation company. And then they decided to define who, redefine who they were and broaden their definition and say, actually, we're in the family entertainment business. It's amazing when you open up that thinking, that vision of how it creates room for things like Disney Cruise Lines or other opportunities and things that Disney might get into that where their original sort of framing of their business model um, might have kept it too narrow as the market grew and as they needed to grow. Um, and then we also look at some, someone like Coca-Cola and their purchase of uh, vitamin water. Why did Coke have to go outside their organization for innovation? What was getting in their way? I'll chat more about this concept in my two-part series on innovation. In the show, I'll also chat about how to get people to say yes to your ideas when everyone is empowered to say no. Well, if you're a parent out there, you probably know how <laughs> this is a challenge, whether it's in business or in life. So how do you do it? How do you get people to say yes? Well, saying yes, from my experience, is all about knowing your audience. We think about this externally when we market a product, but we don't always think about it internally. I've learned a lot about the power of listening when I worked in advertising. When clients were not sure if the creative idea that we presented was a good one and if they should move forward, I had to listen carefully to hear What was really getting in the way of them saying yes? What were their concerns? Did they not fully understand the concept? Um, Were they afraid of saying yes and making a mistake? Were they not in a position to be able to visualize what the final product would be like? So all of that, assuming this was a good idea to move forward with in the first place, was really my accountability. It was up to me to help them feel comfortable. It wasn't up to me to sell them the idea. And one executive of a leading packaged goods company said to me, Lisa, don't ever use the word selling because then it feels like you're not a partner and we're not doing it together. And I I thought, you know what, really great feedback for me. I thought of selling more as how do I frame this to help people to say yes. But she really gave me some great advice on how to change my language so that people would be more open to how how I was trying to influence them um, to say yes to an idea. In today, in uh, business today, there's a lot of people empowered to say no, but very few empowered to say yes. Perhaps this is meant to protect the organization from undue risk, but it can also stifle an organization's creativity and their ability to bring innovation. Understanding what people need to hear to say yes and unearthing people's concerns about moving forward with new ideas is critical to building your strategy to getting people to say yes to your ideas. 
And for me, this learning came in handy when I had to deliver a brand campaign for an organization. It was a multi-stakeholder initiative in a not-for-profit organization, and the decision had to be unanimous. Wow, so how do you do that in an environment where every dollar counts? Um, Quite understandably, given that they're working with donor dollars. Well, I had to do my homework. I had to listen carefully and unearth everyone's concerns. Sometimes it's not just listening to what they're saying, but what they're not saying. This is when you're using kind of your intuitive instincts, your experience to say, hmm, they're telling me that they're worried about the price, but hmm, I think it's something else. So that that's really when you got to have those um, super listening skills going on. So what was getting in the way of them saying yes to the idea? Was it the investment? Was it the money? Absolutely. You know, absolutely. As we said, we have to work about worry about every dollar. And had they done this before and it didn't succeed? Or did they not fully understand the concept? Or maybe they didn't like it, which is fine. That can happen. Um, and Or did they not trust me um, to make sure their individual concerns were met? Again, remember, it was, it was a national initiative, but it was a provincially run organization. And I was leading only one of the regions and had accountability for a national project. So they're kind of like, eh, maybe she's just working in her own interests and won't be thinking about me. Well, I learned a ton of things doing that. I learned that the key barriers were that the investment, um, they were worried that the investment wouldn't be worth it. They had tried this before, and this is understandable, and it didn't work, so why would it work now? Um, they, what I also realized was that they were concerned that I wouldn't listen to them or address their concerns, that I would move forward with my own needs um, and make sure that my market needs were satisfied and not theirs. So that meant I had to do a lot of homework. I had to build a plan for a stakeholder engagement strategy that made people feel that they were with us every step of the way. And I had to develop a a business case. It was like a 26-page business case to show them the ROI of advertising. And just anybody out there who's in the business would know it's very difficult to prove that advertising is going to work. So what were all of the business levers that I had to look at? And one of the key ones was, what's the risk of doing nothing? So in the show, I'll also chat about leading through influence instead of authority. And that's exactly what I had to do in that project. This is a great concept that's presented by John C. Maxwell in his book titled, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. There are people who think their title will get things done. My experience has been, sure, perhaps, in the short term, But true leadership, sustainable leadership and results comes through influence, not authority. This type of leadership has staying power and, as I said, delivers sustainable results. It's not dissimilar to the concept of getting people to say yes to your ideas. And we're going to chat more about this uh, topic and this concept in my episode on leadership. I'm also going to talk about finding the courage to be a jungle lion instead of a zoo lion in today's business world. This is a great concept that a colleague of mine shared. I was struggling um, in the organization that I was in uh, to bring innovative thinking and new products and ideas to the company. I was challenged to deliver, um, you know, again, as I said, that 50% growth margin over two years. And I was struggling. And and he said to me, Lisa, the reason you're struggling is because you're a jungle lion and they're zoo lions. Now, this guy could also kind of be a bit extreme in his views, but I loved it. He always challenged my thinking. Um, So what did he mean? He said, a zoo lion is waiting to be fed, looking for predictable results. Feed me the template. Give me the answer. Do what's proven. Don't take risk. Whereas the jungle lion isn't waiting. They're evaluating their environment, carving new paths, and finding new answers 
and taking calculated risks. It's a bit like the book Who Moved My Cheese by Dr. Uh, Spencer Johnson. Um, You know, when the jungle lion sees that the food source is dwindling, um, he or she is on the hunt for new sources of food. They adapt to their environment, carve new paths. Um, They're not waiting around and hoping that things will go back to the way they were. So which one are you? The zoo lion or the jungle lion? Well, we're going to chat more about that on a topic in our future episode. So chat with chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school is really for people who would stand up, who would rather stand up and be noticed than sit down and be hidden. It's about taking risk and asking yourself, would I be rather, would I rather be fired for doing something or fired for doing nothing? A Coca-Cola executive told me that once and I've never forgotten it. What a powerful concept. Um, I, this concept for me was, wow, I hadn't really looked at it that way. And I'm sure if you think about people that you've worked with in your career, um, you could see people who, unfortunately, their fear of failure or making a mistake or paying the mortgage, whatever it might be, I mean, we all have those, can get in the way of them taking some risk, of them bringing forward new thinking and new ideas. The culture can also get in the way. I mean, if you start to see people not be rewarded for taking risks um, and perhaps um, having some negative consequences, you're less likely to do that yourself. So you do have to think about that. So what is that appetite for you and that risk? How can you gain buy-in from the people around you to sort of make that risk a little bit less and a little bit more comfortable for you? Um, So I can see that we're coming up on a break and I'm going to be back with you in a few minutes and chat more about sort of my background and inspiration and my backstory and what has brought me here today um, running, (laughs) having this internet talk show. So we'll be back in a few minutes. Thank you. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Take your business to the next level. Deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Lisa Chickles Consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results. Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune into Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. 
You may also send Lisa an email to chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. Well, we're back, and it's it's so nice to have you here again. And we are talking about topics that I'm going to be covering in my upcoming shows. Um, concepts like driving innovation in a risk-adverse culture, how to get people to say yes uh, when everyone is empowered to say no, leading through influence instead of authority, and having the courage to be a jungle lion instead of a zoo lion in today's business world. So I now want to tell you a little bit more about me and <clears throat> excuse me and my backstory um, and why I'm here chatting with you today. Um, so after graduating from the University of Western Ontario, go Mustangs, um, with a BA in finance and economics, um, I made the decision to go into advertising, um, and I worked with a lot and. A great decision, what an incredible industry, both kind of bringing together my sense of creativity and, you know, my need for the discipline around finance. Um, so it was a really nice mix for me. Um, and as I had said, I worked with a lot of global agencies and with some pretty amazing clients that I learned a ton from. And uh, I, But I also worked for a Canadian entrepreneurial agency, Cassette. At the time that I worked there, um, it was the largest agency in Canada and ranked about 25 globally, and they were starting to move into more of a global market and expanding their business. It was an amazing experience. It was exhausting um, for anyone who's worked with an entrepreneur before, but incredible. And as always, learned a ton. Their philosophy was one project at a time and always be a meeting ahead. They had to be. Um, They had global clients that technically shouldn't have been with them. Um, anybody who understands, who knows anything about that industry will know that there's a lot of global alignments, right? It's a way to create efficiency. So any of the executives in Canada that chose um, to not be with the global agency and to be with Cassette had to be able to justify that decision um, to their leadership to make sure it was a good decision. So we knew the pressure was on us um, to make sure we were a meeting ahead and made sure that we had some competitive advantage um, that would give our clients, a re- at that time, a reason to say yes. Um, because of that, and because of that situation, uh, it really unearthed my entrepreneurial will to succeed. Um, I enjoyed working in an environment um, that had a balance between, you know, the structure of an organization, but also the freedom um, to explore and to invent because of that entrepreneurial spirit that was behind the organization. It was this company that inspired me to start my own consulting practice in 2003. The entrepreneurial nature of Cassette absolutely unearthed my desire to be an entrepreneur. I also come from a long line of entrepreneurs, and we're going to chat about that a little later on in the show. When I was at Cassette, a colleague of mine gave me a book called The Alchemist by Paolo Paolo. Okay, Colho, sorry for anybody. I apologize if I've mispronounced the name. It's a fable about a shepherd boy named Santiago who longed to see the pyramids in Egypt. And he said to his father, I can always go back and be a shepherd, but I may never have another chance to see the pyramids again. And that did it for me. I felt like this was the right time in my life to take that chance, to try something different, to see what I could do on my own. And I said to myself, well, Lisa, sometimes I talk to myself in the third person when I'm trying to sort things out or, hey, chickles, um, this is the right time in your life to try this. And you can always go back and be an account person, but you may never have another chance to start your own business. So that's what I did. Um, I jumped in with both feet and went out there, got some business cards and started up uh, my own consulting business. And it was truly um, exciting. It was frightening. And it was amazing. 
Um, and I'll talk a little bit more later on about some of the great clients that I worked with and all those wonderful things. And about six years into running my business, an opportunity came to me in 2009. Um, I had been asked if, if I would step in and kind of cover like a four-month contract to help be an interim uh, VP of marketing for a leading not-for-profit organization. And I thought, wow, you know what, what a great opportunity. Um, I hadn't worked in the not-for-profit sector in any kind of formal way. Certainly, I'd volunteered and things like that, but not actually at the organization. And I thought, wow, this is kind of interesting. I'd love to learn about it and also a way to give back, which, you know, is important, right? Like, what can I do to help um, make this a better place for all of us? Um, So, that's what I did. I went there on a four-month contract, and you know what? Um, I was hooked. I was inspired by the mission, by the people that I met, and their desire for entrepreneurial thinking. There was no global head office or strategy. No one was telling you what to do or giving you the answer. Definitely a job for a jungle lion like me. So a four-month contract turned into a three-year full-time position and an incredible journey. I led a team of 45 people as the VP of Marketing and Communications, and I was responsible for about $140 million in gross revenue. Now, for those people out there in the U.S., just add a decimal and you'll get a sense of the size of the business. While I was there, um, I launched their first national brand and integrated fundraising campaign, launched a new product, and found efficiencies to deliver to the bottom line. Um, so, in about three years, the business was up about 20%. So, what did I learn and what did I do um, And what do I have to share with you about what I learned there? This is where I learned a lot about driving innovation in a culture that was quite understandably risk adverse, given the need to protect every donor dollar. I learned about trusting your instincts. And when they say get on a plane, you get on a plane. I'll tell you more about that story in an upcoming episode. But your instincts are critical in some of these things. Um, And that an organizational culture is important. It may even be more important than your strategic plan, and I say that as a strategic planning consultant, um, because if your culture doesn't align with the plan, um, it won't be successful. And when it does align, it's amazing what you can accomplish. So I've learned a lot um, over the past years, and working for a not-for-profit at that time actually inspired me to return to my consulting business in 2012. Now I had a whole new sector to explore and clients to work with to unearth the potential of their brands to drive business results, and I couldn't wait. I've learned a lot over the past years um, and things that they just couldn't teach me in business school because you kind of have to live it to get it. And that's why I'm doing the show. I'm excited to share what I've learned and give you and give you a competitive advantage. So when you find yourself in these situations, and I'm sure you will, um, hopefully some of this will come back to you and you'll know what to do. So where does this entrepreneurial will to succeed come from? Well, I was born and raised in Toronto, Canada. My grandparents immigrated to Canada and searched for a better life for them and their families. I learned a lot from my family, my grandparents and my parents. A lot about appreciating what I have and that determination is an important ingredient for success. I learned a lot about being an entrepreneur. My grandmother came to Canada um, and married someone that she'd never met before. Um, I can't even imagine how she must have felt, the courage that she must have had to leave her family and come to a new country where she didn't speak the language um, and didn't know the culture and had to learn about a new country. Well, she did it, and I have to say she did it well, and she did it with grace. 
She was made an honorary citizen in, of Toronto in recognition for her contribution to the community. I often think that if she'd been born at a different time, she might have been one of those first female CEOs. She just knew how to, she had a vision, she knew how to bring people together, and she knew how to realize her vision. And with that, she was the founder of a seniors home, senior citizens home, uh, independent living for seniors, a church and a major contributor to her community. And she showed me that anything is possible and that determination is a key ingredient for success. I come from a long line of entrepreneurs and determined people who had to go through a great deal to realize their dream. They, they had to compromise, do without, all in the hopes of a better life for themselves and their families. My great-grandmother, um, who, who didn't come to this country, um, but in her native country, after her husband died during the war, was left with five small children and had to find a way to make a living. She raised silkworms and spun silk in her native country. This allowed her to stay at home with her children and earn a living. I think we call this concept today the cottage industry, a small-scale industry, um, often operated out of a home rather than a factory, defined by small amount of investment required to start, and small number of people employed, often focused on the production of labor-intensive goods. Yes, that was my, my great-grandmother in the cottage industry. My father was also an inspiration to me. He was an entrepreneur and took over his family business. But when the market changed, um, he had to reinvent himself and find a new career. He said to me, Lisa... You don't have to worry about things because a problem shared is a problem solved. And if you're ever in a situation where you don't know what to do, that's what you need to do is share that problem with others, get advice, and together you're sorted out. Um, it's a philosophy that I've tried to share with those I've worked with, and it's never failed me. It's really about collaboration. And I'd say being humble enough to know that you alone don't have all the answers. Um, sometimes you know, our lack of humbleness or fear of asking for help can get in the way of our own success. Um, but for some reason, his phrase, a problem shared is a problem solved, gave me permission um, to work with others to solve those problems. And I don't think my dad realized that this philosophy would one day be the underpinning of something we now call crowdsourcing. I mean, really, I mean, he wasn't using online, he was doing it like face to face. But really, that's the concept. And you know what, it's not really a new one. Um, the Oxford Dictionary was actually, you know, um, created using a form of crowdsourcing. They basically asked volunteers to uh, give them different phrases and language that could become part of this volume. That's back in the 19th century. And uh, they received like, you know, uh, tons of responses. And basically over the period of 70, 70 years, they were able to create their Oxford Dictionary. Um I believe that your life and work experiences, your stories and background shape how you view the world and how you can survive and thrive in business today. It goes beyond what you've learned in business school. Now you don't now don't get me wrong, I am a big believer in education. My grandfather always said to us grandkids, get an education. It's the only thing they can't take away from you. I think at the time I didn't fully understand it. I certainly understand it now. And what you need to know is my grandfather was desperate to go to school and to learn. Unfortunately, he wasn't able to. So he made sure that all of us did. And I think he lived through our experiences. Um, so it's a great concept. A problem shared is a problem solved. So um, like I said, I don't think my dad invented it. But I really like the words that he used. Um, 
And that certainly, as I said to you, has sort of helped me in business today. And when I come back, I'm going to chat more about my experience and why I'm sharing my view on what it takes to succeed in business today. Um, We are coming up on a break and I'll be back in a few minutes. Um, And again, I'll tell you a little bit more about me and uh, a bit of my credentials, a little bit of my um, resume. So uh, you know me and then also how did I end up being here on Voice America as an internet radio talk show host. So I look forward to sharing all of that with you. And um, um, and also don't forget to um, send me an email if there's something that you'd like to chat about. I may not be able to get to it today, um, but certainly uh, we can get to it in future shows or I can respond to you um, by email once I've sort of recovered from my first episode. Um, so I'm talking a bit about, you know, the sort of things that I'm going to cover in my show, the power of... Um, the entrepreneurial will to succeed and being an entrepreneur and that a problem shared is a problem solved. So again, I'll be back in a few minutes to tell you more. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network take your business to the next level deliver more growth to your bottom line and bring innovation to your organization visit lisa chickles consulting.com lisa chickles consulting will work with you to unearth your brand's potential to drive business results Lisa works with the top brands in the corporate and not-for-profit sectors to develop strategic plans to ensure success. Bring a fresh and original perspective to your business. Visit LisaChicklesConsulting.com. That's LisaChicklesConsulting.com. If you are a beginning or aspiring entrepreneur, have you thought about a coach or mentor? For instance, think about sports figures who have successfully become entrepreneurs and leaders in business. They started out with a coach in their respective sport, and many work with a coach today to help them continue to achieve their goals. Listen for ESCN with host Michael Dawson and co-host Angelia Hobson and Diane Daniels. Tune in Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central, and 7 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business and rebroadcasts on Voice America Sports. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into Chat with Chickles. To reach Lisa and her guest today, please call into 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send Lisa an email to chatwithchickles at rogers.com. Now, back to this week's show. And we're back again, um, and we've been chatting about uh, what this show is all about and the type of topics that we're going to cover in the coming weeks. Um, things like innovation, leadership, managing and taking risk, getting people to say yes, and having the courage to be a jungle lion. Um, I also talked a bit about my family and the things that I've learned from them and coming from a long line of entrepreneurs and their determination and ability to withstand market changes and reinvent themselves and how that shaped my views on how to survive and thrive in business today. 
So I feel like I need to give you some of the technical stuff, you know, some of the bio resume stuff. Um, I'm a member of the Canadian Marketing Association and have a BA from the University of Western Ontario. Um, as I said earlier, go Mustangs, <laughs> in finance and economics. I've been honored globally for work on key accounts, including the Heart and Stroke Foundation, uh, that work won a gold in the CMA Marketing Awards. Um, Coca-Cola Canada, um, we won some recognition in the London International Advertising Awards and the Advertising and Design Club of Canada. Um, Nike, also uh, we had global recognition for the work that we did on women in sport and for General Mills, a one-show certificate in TV and broadcast from New York. So just seeing that all of this hard work and when you're working as a team and, you know, pushing past some of those um, barriers or fears of uh, trying new things can can really um, net out on some great results. But it's a lot of hard work. Uh, don't get me wrong. I mean, none of if you really want to do something that's new and different, you have to be prepared to work hard. Now, some people might say workaholic, um, or some people might say you're passionate about what you do and the outcomes are important to you. A friend of mine, Anne, who always gives me great advice that. I end up taking a little bit later than I should, um, but I'm getting better at it. Um, always said, Lisa, focus on the work um, and, and it won't let you down. And that's helped a lot. Sometimes when you're in those environments that can be, you know, a little challenging or, you know, some politics that you haven't quite figured out because that's not the way you think. And um, it always helped me to go back and think about the work. So on that note, let me tell you a little bit about the work um, that I've done and some of the clients that I've worked with um, and how I've been able to influence some of the changes in, in their thinking. Um, so as I said, I worked with Nike, uh, Nike Canada, and we were challenged, and, and this was a bit ago, um, and about how to talk to women in sport. At that time, Nike wasn't there yet. So again, I am going back a bit. Um, I won't do dates though. And what we came up with was the strategy of, and I really do have to credit the creative team that I worked with on this, quite brilliant, uh, two very brilliant women, um, talk to me like a girlfriend. Now, keep in mind, that's hard to know if you aren't one. So uh, what, they, what we did was really um, put together a video that helped them to see how women talk, how they communicate, and, of course, all to the lovely musical lyrics of Alanis Morissette, which gave you the right uh, energy and context. And this strategic concept um, helped people then develop work that would connect with women in sport. Um, this was what I would say was our, our strategy video, just to help people get into that mood and understand what we meant by talk to me like a girlfriend. So the strategy was uh, recognized globally um, and used to help fuel um, their innovation in women in sport. When I was with General Mills, I worked with a VP of marketing, quite a brilliant guy. Um, I hope that I'm able to get him as a guest on the show. I think you can learn a ton from him. We don't always agree, but I think that productive tension is a good thing. We worked on something called the Journey Team. Um, it was a concept. It was probably our first, I don't even think we knew what to call it at the time, of being an entrepreneur. So trying to bring an entrepreneurial spirit in an organization, um, but still being inside. Um, and sometimes you do have to carve out a little bit of space because we can get very caught up in what needs to get done. Um, you got to get that brand plan out. I got to do the business plan. And how are we carving the time to get not just four months ahead, but a couple of years ahead? And thinking about ideas that might work across portfolios um, that wouldn't just drive growth, but drive exponential growth. So uh, we pulled this group together. I got to tell you at the beginning, I don't think we really knew what we were doing, but that's the way all great innovation starts. Um, 
And the work that we did helped us to deliver incredible, unprecedented results around our Olympic campaign um, and to deliver an ROI that um, we as a team um, weren't really sure if it would work or not. Um, And definitely the way that we worked helped us to think differently. You know, we started each of our meetings with reminding ourselves of what our vision was, our mandate, what were we really here trying to do. And then I think a neat idea about um, we would go around the table and just have everyone to talk about um, some great accomplishment in their in their personal life, right? So things that maybe um, they have learned um, in or that they have experienced that actually gave us sort of energy. You know, you can come into a meeting and maybe you're stuck in traffic or you've had a bad morning or you ran out of coffee, whatever it is. Um, and it's kind of hard to get into this, you know, into a brainstorming and innovation kind of spirit. So really uh, what this did was kind of set the tone um, and help us to think differently. Um, I would all, And then I also worked, um, when I was at one of the advertising agencies, uh, we worked on the Scotiabank business. Um, and I think I was, I felt like I was only there for 10 days when they said, Lisa, so we're putting the business up for review and you have 90 days to turn around the business or, you know, perhaps, um, you're gonna have to find another job. So that was, it was, uh, certainly motivating. Um, but I have to tell you what an incredible organization, uh, the agency that I was at so many people, um, you know, uh, rose up to help me and the team to be successful. And the great news is within 90 days, we turned around the business. And I'm going to tell you more about that um, in one of my upcoming shows. So what have we talked about today? We've talked about that determination is a key ingredient for success. We talked about the entrepreneurial will to succeed, that a problem shared is a problem solved, that to survive in today's business world, you need to have the agility and nimbleness of an entrepreneur and be able to reinvent yourself and your company when the market demands it. We talked about getting people to say yes to your ideas when most people are empowered to say no. Bringing innovation to risk-adverse cultures and about uh, managing and diversifying your risk and doing the hard work and analysis up front so that people can feel comfortable to saying yes. Leading through influence versus authority. Um, and, and how that's more uh, sustain, that's a sustainable form of leadership that drives business results. And, of course, this great line, having the courage to be a jungle lion instead of a zoo lion in the business world today. Um, these are some of the things that, could, um, that they couldn't teach you in business school because, you know, you have to live it to get it. Um, and this is about, this show is about this in addition to the education that you have to give you that competitive advantage to survive and thrive. So... In the coming shows that I'll have, uh, the next show I'm looking at a two-part series on innovation. We're going to tackle things like uh, can innovation truly flourish in an organization or does the current structure, the culture, or the environment or how they define their business model get in the way? Can entrepreneurs survive in today's corporate culture? Um, How do we assess risk, the risk of doing nothing? Um, when we're looking at bringing innovation to an organization? And would we rather get fired for doing something than fired for doing nothing? And then once you get to yes to your ideas, let's say in innovation, so you've come up with this great idea, how do you protect it? Um, Ideals are fragile. How can you get people to continue to say yes? Um, And then lots of great, there's lots of great examples um, in movies and quotes. I'm I'm a big movie buff and 
I'm all, I guess I think too much sometimes. I'm always thinking about what they're saying. Um, so we're coming to the end of the show, and I'd like to thank you so much for listening and being here today. I hope you found today's topics helpful and something that can that can uh, you can put into everyday practice. Don't forget, you have to live it to get it, and that's what they couldn't teach you in business school. You can reach me at chatwithchickles at rogers.com, like me on Facebook, connect with me on LinkedIn, follow me on Twitter, and don't forget to check out my website at lisachicklesconsulting.com. I'm your host, Lisa Chickles. You're part of Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. And I hope that um, you'll be listening again next week when we talk about innovation and um, you know how to innovate in those cultures that can, can sometimes get in our way of trying new things, um, like I'm doing today here as your talk show host. So again, hope you're enjoying the show today. Thank you for joining us for Chat with Chickles. Please tune in again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time for another edition with brand expert Lisa Chickles on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll talk again on the next show. again for listening.